This morning we're going to continue in our study uh, through 1 Corinthians, the gospel unity and the answer to confusion. But as obviously today is a big game day for Kansas City and just uh, in the nation as well. And so I thought I would look up some football jokes because you've got to start a sermon with a good joke, right? So I was looking up all kinds of jokes and man, there are some really, really good ones, but I didn't want to fumble them. So I'm going to go ahead and pass them to Pastor Michael for next week. So, oh, <laughs> All right. Well, I just uh, thought I'd start out with something funny, but we're going we're gonna to continue uh, in 1 Corinthians, and the sermon title this morning is Advancing the Gospel for God's Kingdom, Not Ours. There's a story of a, a man, and there's a movie made about them uh, but, and his friends, but Jim Elliott uh, was an American. He became a Christian at a young age. And after attending college, he became a missionary in Ecuador. He, he, with a few other young missionaries, wanted to reach a tribe of Indians who had lived in a remote region beyond civilization. The tribe was known for its violence, so no one ventured into their territory. But they were people from whom Jesus died to bring them forgiveness and salvation. Jim Elliott and his four friends thought the best way to try to make friends with them. They, so they made contact by flying a small aircraft down their riverbank. They made contact from the airplane with the tribe using a loudspeaker and baskets to pass down gifts. After several months, the men decided to build a base a short distance from the Indian tribe. There they were approached several times by a small group of Indians and even gave an airplane ride to one curious man. Encouraged by these friendly encounters, they began plans to visit the tribe. But then a larger group of the Indians arrived who were vicious, and they killed Elliot and his four companions on January 8th, 1956. After his death, an entry was found in his diary. It says this, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Paul is going to be talking about today uh, answering some more confusion among the uh, new believers in the Corinthian church. And he's going to be answering some questions that they have and some doubts that they have uh, because of their uh, young belief. And uh, so as we read in chapter 9 this morning, we're going to see what Paul has to say to the Corinthian church, these new believers. Starting verse 1 in chapter 9. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are not you my workmanship in the Lord? If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who would examine me. Do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife, as do other apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit? Or who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? Do you say these things on human authority? Does not the law say the same? For it is written in the law of Moses, You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out at the grain. It is for the oxen that God is concerned. Is it for the oxen that God is concerned? Does he not certainly speak for our sake? It was written for our sake because of the plowman should plow and hope that the thre- hope and the thresher should thresh and hope of sharing in the crop. 
If we have sown spiritual things among you, it is, too, is it too much to ask that we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, do we not even more? Nevertheless, we have not made use of these rights, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Do, not know that those, do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple? And those who serve the altar share in the sacrificial offerings. In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. But I have made no use of any of these rights, for I am writing these things to secure such provision. For I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. For necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I will have reward." But if, I, if not my own will, will I am st- I still entrusted with a stewardship. With what, my, what is my reward? That in, pre- that in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. Paul is here is having to answer this confusion that is happening within the, the church at Corinth. And as I read this passage the first time, even I read it in a way that... Uh, didn't seem quite right. I was kind of confused by this passage as well. And so I had to study it and look at it and look into it and see what it said. So we're going to look at these things this morning and see what Paul is doing here uh, with uh, the First Corinthian church and what he needs to do to clarify and to unify uh, the, the body. Paul first defends his apostleship. He defends his apostleship. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not my workmanship in the Lord? If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you. For you are the steel of my apostleship in the Lord. These are new believers, like I had mentioned before, and we've mentioned several times as we've gone through uh, 1 Corinthians. And many of them were actually not just uh, confused, but they were also denying Paul as an apostle. And not only were they denying Paul his apostleship, they were also denying his authority. And so Paul then gives us three reasons why he is who he says he is. He gives us three reasons why he is an apostle and why he has the authority to speak to them and over them. The first first reason that he gives is freedom. Paul was not under the authority to anyone but to Christ Jesus. But other Christians, such as the Corinthian church, were under the authority of the apostles. So Paul says, I'm free. Nobody's over me. The only person that's over me, the only only being that's over me is Jesus Christ. But you're under my authority, and so my words have weight. My uh, my, my letters have weight. My things have, I, what I say has weight to them and you are to live under that authority. The next thing that, that Paul gives us as a reason for uh, who he says he is is probably the most important uh, of these three reasons. And it's one of those things that today when somebody claims uh, to have apostleship and to say that I'm an apostle, uh, this also here uh, is the reason why they are not and Paul is an apostle. He, he says that he has seen Jesus in person. 
Paul insists that he did not merely see a vision of Jesus, but he saw an authentic appearance of the post-resurrection Jesus. So he himself, on the way to Damascus, saw Jesus in person. You cannot claim apostleship if you have not seen Jesus in person. Not a vision, but in person. And the third reason that Paul gives for defending his apostleship is that he, the Corinthian church itself, the Corinthian Christians had more reason than most to know that Paul was a genuine apostle because they had seen his work up close. This makes the doubt of the, among the Christian, Corinthian Christians all the more ironic. And Paul here is trying to make them aware of this irony. When I was in seminary, I had a professor uh, in theology class teach this. Uh, he was teaching on something and, and was teaching on doubt and, and, uh, and talked about a person in his church when he was a pastor. Uh, and uh, this lady came to him and said, Pastor, I'm really doubting my faith. I'm really doubting whether or not all this is real. I'm really doubting uh, whether or not this is real in my life, whether or not I'm really made a, f- a claim to follow after Jesus, whether or not I really did this. And, and, and he said... You know, you have a real funny way of showing that you're not a believer. You have a real funny way of showing that you're not a believer. Not only by the way you you claim Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you also live out your life. You serve and you, you, you proclaim the gospel and you share with others and you invite people to do the same. And not only that, then you serve the church and you serve it well and you serve it on a weekly basis and you and you and you, you have no you, you try not to hide it, you, you, you're loud about it, you, you ex, you're excited about it. You have a real funny way of showing that you're not a believer. The Corinthian church has a real funny way of showing that uh, Paul is not an apostle by, the, by his work that they've seen him do and the way he lived his life and what he did and how he acted and what he did and what he said and what he wrote to them. So not only has Paul defending his apostleship Now, Paul also then uh, goes on to say this. He defends his rights as an apostle. The words words that Paul is using here in the first several verses of chapter 9 are very, uh, very uh, law-oriented. They're very uh, uh, used that he's on trial. So it's almost like Paul feels like he's on trial here and that he's already been found guilty by the Corinthian church. And so he's really using terms, legal terms here to defend his rights as an apostle. And here are the rights that he used, that, that he defended uh, within this, these verses. The first rights that he defended, he has the right to eat, have a wife, and remuneration. Remuneration is the uh, act of being paid for service done. Um, I put that word in there because I heard it in seminary. And as a full class of all youth pastors, uh, when the, when the uh, professor said remuneration, we all laughed. Okay. Uh, you can think about that for a minute. Okay. Um, because we hadn't heard the word, and it's good, it's fun. but it's for the act of being paid um, for a job done. But he uses this, the right to eat, the right to have a wife, and the right for remuneration. Verse 3 says this, This is my defense to those who would examine me. Do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife, as do the other apostles and brothers of the Lord and Cephas? 
Or is there only Barnabas and I who have, not, have no right to refrain from working for a living? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard without eating of any of its fruit? Or who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? Paul is not asking if he should be allowed to do these things just because the Corinthian church wouldn't allow, should have, they didn't believe that he should be allowed to have them. It's obviously that it's a right. Like we have the right to eat. We have the right to have a wife. Amen, right? Love Megan. Um, love, love being able to have that. Love to eat, right? We have the right to eat. They're not saying that he can't eat, he can't have a wife, he can't do the... the but what Paul makes it clear to this church because they were um, saying these things, Paul makes it clear that he had the right to expect support by the church, not only for himself, but also for his family too. The next defense that he gives for his rights, the worker should also enjoy the benefits. Verse 8, do I say these things on human authority? Does not the law say the same? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. It is for oxen that God is concerned. Does he not, does he not certainly speak for our sake? Was it written for our sake because of the plowman should plow in hope and the thresher should thresh in hope of sharing in the crop? If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much to reap if material things from you? The quote he uses here from Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 4, you can look that up later, but, um, but the quote there, the you shall not muzzle an ox, is from, from Deuteronomy. But what he's talking about is, uh, if so much is the animal, and God's talking about the animal, uh, so much is God concerned for us as well, and, and for our sake, and he speaks not only for an ox, but he speaks for our sake. It would be really cruel to starve those who are providing and preparing your food. To do so would take away their hope and it makes them feel abused and unappreciated. I'm so thankful for, for Fellowship of Grace uh, and their generosity to, to us. And we, man, there's so many churches out there today that uh, are taken advantage of and, and not provided for and not being allowed to enjoy in their benefits, and not being allowed to uh, enjoy in um, material support from the church. And it makes them feel abused and unappreciated. You go out to eat, it would be like going out to eat and eating your meal and saying to your server and the cooks and all the staff in the restaurant, you're not allowed to eat either. You're not allowed to have that right. Only I do. That's, gonna, that's, that's almost absurd, and it's going to make somebody feel abused and unappreciated. Paul here makes it plain that it is, right, it is the right to be repaid with the material support from the people they're ministering to. Paul says, I, I can tell you, th this job is hard. Being a pastor is difficult. 
we take the time to minister to you. And sometimes you guys see what come, happens on Sunday mornings, but you don't get to see the day-to-day stuff. And, and the things, the time that uh, Pastor Michael and Pastor Derek and Pastor John and myself take the time to, to, to pour into people's lives and to, to deal with people um, and the amount of work that it takes to minister to people. I get asked all the time, so what do you do all week? And if you only knew. Uh, so it was not that the Corinthian church refused to support anyone at all in ministry. Because others were partaking in this right. The problem with the Corinthian church here was that they refused to support Paul. And thought less of him because he did not receive it. And we're going to look here in a second of the fact of how, why Paul did not receive it. But the church was saying, you're not as good because you don't take, partake of this right. You're not, we're not under your authority because you, we, we, you don't partake of this right. It, we're, we're, we're looking down of you less of a person because you don't partake in this. Next in chapter 9, we see that, that Paul gives up his rights as an apostle, for the sake of the gospel. If others share this rightful claim on you, do, we not, do, do not we even more? Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul is saying here, putting the needs of sharing the gospel and the truth in the church, uh, they're putting those needs above their own is the most important thing. Advancing God's kingdom, Paul is advancing God's kingdom not at the detriment of the church. When Fellowship of Grace first started, uh, none of the staff, none of the pastors were paid uh, here at Fellowship of Grace. No one took a salary so that they wouldn't be a burden on the church to share the gospel to this community. To proclaim the good news. But when the church was able and in a place that it wouldn't be a burden on the church anymore for spreading the gospel... Fellowship of Grace started to pay its pastors and staff. You, are, you as a church are incredibly generous. And we are so thankful for that. I don't go hungry. Thank you. I'm able to go uh, buy a red shirt so I didn't hear anything about today, right? Because um, I didn't, I don't, I don't own any. This is the red shirt I own. Um, now I own two. Somebody gave me some, a jersey for a service, so thank you. That was awesome. Um, uh, but we're so thankful and grateful for what you as a church do. But in the beginning, um, the pastors did not want to be a burden on the church of spreading the gospel, the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you and I. Sinful people died on the cross for us laid in a grave for three days, raising from the dead, defeating death on our behalf, later ascending into heaven, 
so that we too can put our trust and faith in him so that we can have eternal life in heaven. That's what Paul's saying here is, I give up my rights for the sake of the gospel. I don't give them up just to give them up. I have the right to them. But I give them up because I want other people to know about Christ more than I want for my own. Paul then gives us reasons for his decisions. Why did he give up his rights for the gospel? The Lord commands remuneration. I wanted to put it in there again. Um, Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple? And those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings? In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. These are Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 10, 9 through 10. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your money or journey for two tunics or sandals or staff, for the laborer deserves his food. Christ's saying, go. He's sending out the disciples to go and share the gospel, share the good news with the world. And he said, you need to be provided for by the church. Don't, don't raise your support. Don't take your own stuff. You go and you be provided by for the church. It is your right. Paul's other reason for saying it is the right, it is his right. But he also says he's saying this and so not that they will support him. Not so that they will support him. But I have made no use of these rights, nor am I writing these things to secure any such provisions. For I'd rather die than have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. He'd rather die than have his name proclaimed over the gospel. He would rather rather not take any of this stuff and not rather not take any of these things so that somebody would say, hey, look at Paul. Look, let's lift Paul up. I want to lift Christ up, the gospel up. That is the reason for why I do what I do. I don't do it to get paid. I don't do it for any of the other rights that I have. You should give them, but I have chosen not to take them. Why? Because it is his duty to share the gospel. It is his duty to share the gospel. Why is he talking about all this? He says, verse 16, for if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. For necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. Woe to us if we don't spread the gospel and preach the gospel. When I came on staff here at Fellowship of Grace two and a half years ago, one of the things that, uh, that they, they, we, we talked about in, in when preaching, uh, we share the gospel in every message. We don't make light of that. We don't hide that. We share the gospel every time we preach because it is the most important thing we do. Woe to you and I if we don't preach the gospel. 
It is our duty to share the gospel. Christ died for you and me. He died for everybody else. And if I'm not willing to share that and I'm not willing to spread that good news, I made it about myself rather than the gospel. And Paul is saying here, I don't want to make it about myself. I don't want to boast in myself. I don't want to lift Paul's name. I don't want to lift my name up. I don't want to lift Pastor Christopher's name up. I don't want to lift anybody else's name up other than Jesus Christ. So woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. And the final reason Paul gives is the reward of sharing the gospel. The reward of sharing the gospel, verse 17 and 18. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if, I, if not of my own will, I am still entrusted with a stewardship. What then is my reward? That in my preaching, I may present the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. Paul is saying, I don't want it to be about me. I don't want it to be about my kingdom. I want it to be about God's kingdom. See, anything that we can get, have, receive, take, earn, our houses, our clothes, our food, our spouses, our jobs, Anything we get or receive here on this earth pale in comparison to our eternal reward in heaven. It's all about building God's kingdom and not our own. Let's pray. God, just thank you for this day. God, we just know that any reward, anything we get on this earth, any trophy, any any aspect of this earth pales in comparison to what you have in store for us in heaven. And inviting those and sharing those with us around us, the gospel, the good news that you died on the cross for us so that we too can have eternal life. And we make it about ourselves. We've put the gospel in second place. God, may we not boast in ourselves, but we boast in you and the gospel and what you did on the cross for us. In Jesus' name we pray.